In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be digging deep and analyzing all aspects of Inter's 19th Scudetto winning season. We'll be discussing Conte, Marotta, who was the best player, who was the most important player, how do Inter move on, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on LaSempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to the most enjoyable episode of Studio Inter that I think we will, all of us will ever have recorded and hopefully you all will have ever enjoyed because for the first time since we started doing this podcast about roughly eight, nine years ago, it is the Scudetto winning podcast. We did it. It's done. It's dusted. It's finished. We're here. Um, and before we, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelist. He is the the artist still known as Mr. Positivity and forever known as Mr. Positivity because when the shit hit the fan, he was the only one who said Inter will win the Scudetto, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so, so happy to be uh, finally recording this. Uh, it's uh, very surreal, very surreal to say the Scudetto winning podcast. Uh, I've been married for 10 years. My wife has only known me suffering. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't really believe that uh, Inter are a good side, you know. And uh, now that they won, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's very, very surreal. Very, very, very excited to get on uh, onto this episode. For sure. Uh, and we're also joined by our good friend from Canada. He's a producer over on TSN, and he's also our in-house refereeing expert, Mr. Michael Gallo. Campione d'Italia! Let's yeah. go! Oh, yeah. what, a, what a feeling. What a feeling, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Emotions are all over the place. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so excited to talk all about positive thoughts and great feelings uh, that we've all been going through the last 24 hours and so many, so many negative thoughts in the last decade or so but let's let's talk about this i'm so excited to talk to everybody about this uh about the scudetto for sure and we're also joined by the chief news editor on studio uh, on semprinter.com mr william beckman how are you doing i'm doing splendidly well first <laughs> time since i started following this club so that's that's good news i'm just wondering if somebody had told you about eight or nine years ago, it was going to take you 184 episodes before you could record a trophy celebration episode. What would you have said? I would have that would have been pretty much after the the treble, and I was still high off of the treble, and I'd be like, "It's okay," because we'll, we'll, we'll get to be another year or so. Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 it was. I mean, I remember I basically said that season with Mourinho, the the way it panned out, I was like, I'd rather have this happiness now and then you know not feel it for a couple of years but for a i mean couple of years. yes but 10 i mean no one <laughs> argued for 10 years i mean it's i've admitted this before on this podcast yeah, i yeah. it is my fault i prayed to the gods on the barcelona semi-final i said if we get through this i will uh, take 10 years of nothing but uh yeah sorry my bad guys <laughs> no 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 it's not your bad because i i think most of us 
would have done the same or did do the same because the way that that season was and everything or surrounding it, the Barcelona, the Mourinho, Contro Tutto e Tutti, everything about that, it was the perfect interstorm. Um, and that, but but it was also, you know, you'd rather burn up than slowly fade away. And that's exactly what happened. Mourinho burned the house down and then he just left. And then since then, we've been slowly rebuilding the house and it's a completely new house. It's a completely new Inter. It's a completely new everything. And it happened. It happened with Antonio Conte. It happened in during the most difficult and challenging season that I can remember in a very long time that Inter have gone through. Um, we're going to go through all of that, um, but let's start with it. I mean, let, let's start at at you know at the very beginning in the sense that let's let's rewind 24 hours. Um, what you know? How do how were you guys following it, and and what was your reaction? Did you? I mean, I I think I said a few weeks ago that this this was the I I thought that Crotone was the game that we were going to win it. It was you know by latest Sampdoria, but I thought a win a win against Crotone, and I because because I, I thought Atalanta would drop points against Sassuolo, and that game in and of itself was absolutely insane. Um, but uh, let's start there. I mean, were you what were you following it, and what were your what was your rea- immediate reactions and stuff? Let's start with you, Mo. What, 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 you know, were you following the game? What was your thought? You know, how did you react? Did you believe it? I, I was following the game. Uh, fortunately, uh, our good friend uh, Will Beckman, I put out a tweet uh, yesterday. The day before. <laughs> you were going to say this. Yeah. Uh, uh, like a gentle reminder to anybody with any expectation that uh, I, th- I think it was in the last six games, Atalanta had uh, destroyed Sassuolo by a margin of three goals in every single encounter between the two sides. So there was practically no hope. Um, so I, I kind of sort of reluctantly had the game on. Uh, I was watching it. And then, um, and then uh, th- there was that, uh, that sending off. And suddenly, you know, your ears uh, perk up and, and, and the hairs kind of uh, stand on the back of your neck. And then Atalanta score and you're like, Fuck, you know, this is it. It's not going to happen. And uh, I sort of uh, moved away from the screen, just not to... It, it was very tense. But then when uh, Sassuolo uh, equalized, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty wild, man. It was a, I, I, I haven't... Like, we've spoken about feeling this feeling of tension. And, and uh, like, um, I don't think I felt this tense about a game since possibly the Empoli game, uh, the Spalletti's last match. Because... Like we said, you know, uh, Conte games have been always, e- even even the final against uh, Sevilla last year, didn't feel like this. And it was nice because you knew, you know, you were going to get at least a point against Sampdoria. So it wasn't. So it was all the all, all the good tension and none of the bad. It was it was uh, yeah, it was a lovely afternoon yesterday. Really a really lovely afternoon. It absolutely was, and it absolutely turned out to be. Um... Mike, what about you? I mean, because I'm thinking of the time difference. This was all going on when you just woke up, I guess. Um, how are you going through this? Yeah, I think uh, in normal circumstances, uh, you know, non-pandemic, I would have, uh, I would have been, I would have gotten together with a few, a couple of friends of mine. Uh, shout out to uh, my buddies Nick Marquio and Ralph Bonadio, who I probably would have watched with. But obviously, we've got a lockdown going on in Canada, so we're not allowed to. But we've been, we're in close contact. I watched it by myself. Uh, I thought this game was crazy. Like this game was absolutely nuts. There was so much going on, and like just as a new, I guess as a neutral watching this game, I was just 
you know, my heart was racing because, you know, even though there's so there's so many games left that enter, it was inevitable they were going to do it anyways. But at the same time, you want to get it done. And uh, I thought for sure with that, with that red card and and, uh, and penalty at the end, there was going to be some some extra drama. What a crazy uh, crazy finish with Concilia making the save. Uh, I, I just was uh, emphatic. I mean, listen, this wasn't like I would say the emotions that we would have probably had like compared to say when I think it was the 2009 in that Roma game was it 2009 or 2010 when when the Scudetto like came down the last game. Everything is just going crazy, but. This one was, uh, I would say, just the game itself was crazy, but we knew the eventual outcome was go- was going to be there, whether it be next week or the week after. It was going to happen. But watching this game, it was uh, it was just exciting. Uh, just with with the with the drama at the end too. I, I really really had a lot of fun. I didn't really kind of until I woke up this morning and uh, then oh wow, Inter is uh, Inter won the Scudetto. What's what happened here? And it just. I, it would have been nice to have some kind of like celebration, like with friends and stuff. But at the same time, you know, we're glad it happened, and you know, we'll take it as as we get it. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, Will, um, you you were you know, as Mo alluded to, you weren't exactly expecting a lot. Um, how how did you experience this and 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 watching this in real life? I mean, first of all, Golini getting sent off, then Atalanta scored the first goal, then 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 Berardi, <laughs> of all people. The Inter fan Berardi scores the penalty that secures the title for for Inter, and then and then they get a sending off as well, and they get a penalty which Luis Muriel, who's been linked to Inter, misses. I mean, if ever a game had had caught the Pazza Inter bug, it would be that game, no? Yeah, we're contagious to use a popular word at the moment. Um, <laughs> no, the, the the tweet that Mo refers to was very much my. Uh, my expectations heading into this weekend. Um, the last six games between Atalanta and Sassuolo have ended before yesterday. They've ended with an aggregate score of 25-6. I've just counted it up. So, and that includes a 5-1 and a 6-2 and a 4-1. And so I, I had absolutely no expectation like you that, that this was going to be sealed this weekend. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't necessarily um, annoyed about that because it meant that we'd be able to do it you know, on the pitch, uh, winning the title after a game, and that would have been nice. But obviously, when you get down to that last half an hour and suddenly you realise it's possible, then obviously you just want it done as quickly as possible. I must admit, I didn't see the game apart from the last 15 minutes. Um, first, because it wasn't on the telly here in the UK. They had the Napoli match on, which obviously was a decision they probably would have taken before if they knew that uh, Inter were going to be potentially riding their title hopes on that game. Um, so, But I was also sort of watching a couple of other things as well at the time. So... I only saw the last 15 minutes, um, and uh, but it was, it was a stream without commentary. So I found I put on Rai, the radio, who were doing their sort of um, ground-to-ground coverage of the three games that were going on at the same time, and sort of synced it up so that I could get the, the sort of a, a feel of what was going on. And it kind of all seemed a little bit surreal. But it didn't look as if there was going to be a goal by the time I got on. Apart from when it got into stoppage time, and there was some, I think there was uh, there was something that was cleared off the line. I think in stoppage time and. Um, a couple of other things that happened so it was all a little bit surreal um and then suddenly out of out of nowhere the uh the radio commentator said those those words that sort of will live in the memory for years to come when he sort of very suddenly interrupts his commentary and goes attenzione solo le 16 e 51 e l'inter campione d'italia and that's kind of the 
that was kind of the, that was basically why I tuned in because I wanted to hear the, the live moment as it happened because this you know, the stream was wasn't very good so it wouldn't have actually really done justice to the the um the scale of the moment so yeah I was quite amused um until the last sort of 20 minutes or so and I've just sort of been slightly in the day since I don't know if I've really sort of processed it yet as as we're speaking now um I've been writing up interviews all day for the site and this is you know I'm not used to writing up good news in this in this position so <laughs> it's been very strange um and uh, I'm still not as, as I stand here now as I said you know I I picked up into after you know I basically was in the same predicament as as the site you know I hadn't experienced a trophy yet so this is not something that I'm used to processing um so it may take me until I don't know till the end of the season maybe until the trophy is actually lifted in the stadium <clears> to really let it all sink in but um yeah it's it's amazing um to do it with four games left as well is really really emphatic I think more than anything that's the thing that really shocks me because you know it, I don't think it was completely inconceivable that this was going to happen this year but I didn't think it was going to happen with you know four games left so um it's it's all a little bit surreal but it's it's good that we have this sort of catharsis experience to share it all with each other um and just the, the, the all the reactions on social media were that was what really what made it for me just seeing everyone give their own little um anecdote about maybe where they were the last time they won the, the title or, or seeing fans in in uh, in in milan um sort of celebrating uh, semi-responsibly shall we say um and all the reactions of the players you know bastoni someone Bast bastoni's friend published an instagram story of him watching the the game as it ended and he was he was delighted so um all in all it was it was a lovely day but i'm still not quite sure i've processed it all to be honest well, for sure. Um, let's talk about uh, that. Uh, you know <laughs> what you said about you know the, the, you, we have to process this and, and we have to start to start talking about how this actually happened. I think that's a good way to start when you process things. And I mean, this has been um this has been a project that pretty much since the sixth of June, twenty sixteen, when Suning took over, this was their goal. And I mean, Suning write history in becoming the first non-Italian ownership to win the Scudetto. Stephen Zhang becomes the youngest Italian, uh, youngest president of Italian football to ever win a Serie A title. I mean, there's so many records that are broken. Antonio Conte now only has Fabio Capello, Mar Marcello Lippi, Max Allegri, and uh, yeah, Ma Max Allegri, Capello, and uh, 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 tra sorry, Trapattoni, I think as well. He's got Trapattoni, Lippi, uh, Capello, and Allegri ahead of him as coaches who have won more Scudetti. Uh, he has four now uh, in in the Serie A, and five if you look at um, if you look if you can count the title in Chelsea. Um, and and it happened in the most, I mean, in the most surreal and weird season. I mean, we we were all well aware of all the problems and Inter basically starting the season, limping into the season on the back of last season, where there were a lot of arguing and fighting, and 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 he wasn't happy because the pro project was frozen. To quote him, um, and and yet he got the, the those players he got who were supposed to lift the team, and they did anything but, except for Darmian. And then the crashing in the Champions League, playing some dreary, horrible football, and then come then comes Christmas, and we're thinking, okay, so the January depression is about to take take its hold, and it actually goes pretty well in January. And then after the defeat against Sampdoria, Inter go on an unbeaten run, 
starting with the with the game in the Coppa Italia against Fiorentina, where Eriksen has begun to, to be rehabilitated, and so is Perisic, and then Inter become a machine, an unstoppable machine. Um, I mean, we we got to kind of talk about this. I mean, I don't think there's only one person that that is important in all of this. But if if there's one person that I think it's it's a suitable and 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 only right that he's he's elevate like praised first in this success, it is Beppe Marotta. He is the for me he's the brain behind this this success. Um, everything he's done. Um, uh, I, I mean, w- w- what do you guys? I mean, w- what do you think, uh, Mo? I mean, who do you, uh, who would you like to lift first of all, and and what what com- what feelings have you got, Kring, what uh, around what what Marotta has done here? Yeah, no, I mean, we've uh, spoken about Marotta before. Uh, I, I for sure he he is the architect of uh, of this. Hopefully, what what's going to become a new cycle, for sure. But we've also spoken about uh, you know if if you really go. You know, we made fun of Tohir, but Tohir is the reason why uh, we were able to sell to Suning. Suning are the reason why they were ambitious enough to bring in the right person. I mean, we've seen uh, Palotta really uh, make all the wrong decisions with uh, similar sorts of investments at uh, Roma in terms of uh, bringing in the wrong sporting directors, the wrong uh, club CEOs, not the right people to run the project. So, of course, Marotta is the architect of this project, and of course, he deserves all the praise for what he's done but fundamentally i think like you said right now nima there there isn't one person that you can really single out because it's been such a team effort particularly so this season but uh, yeah i think for me i'm just very grateful to suning uh i'm grateful to suning uh for sure for for starting this project and marotta for executing the plans well but also, you know, you can't say this without saying I'm grateful to Conte for being able to insulate the team from all the turbulence and turmoil that has surrounded Suning this season and all the uh, all the, the shitstorm that has followed with the um, uh, capital uh, restrictions and investment restrictions by the Chinese government and loss of revenue, so on and so forth. So even at that managerial directorial le- le- level, there's you can't really single one person out, I feel. It's been such a, a, a team effort from top all the way through down to the bottom. And the fact that Conte has been able to, on his own social media, praise the the the, the cafeteria staff, the ground staff, the, uh, the the physical recovery team, you know, it really it really shows how much went in behind the scenes, behind just those 11 or, you know, 25 players in the squad or whoever many that, that really went into this really amazing, really spectacular season in the most difficult of circumstances, you know. Uh, people, naysayers might say that, you know, this is a weak uh, Juventus or that uh, Milan are this or that. But really, the, the conditions are suboptimal. And to be able, like Will said, to be able to do this with four matches in hand is is nothing short of spectacular. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. I, I can't I can't find the words to, to, to praise the, the, the effort, the project, Conte, the team, the, the, anyone in us. Mike? I, I thought... Sense- Listen, oh, sorry. Um, go ahead, Nima. Go ahead. No, I sense you wanted to say something, so I thought I'd let you <laughs> let you hit it. Well, yeah, you know, Mo touched on something really, you know, unique that I kind of wanted to talk about talk about as well. He mentioned like the physical like recovery team, like the team doctors. That's important. And you look at our look at Inter this year. They didn't really have many 
injuries. You know, nothing really significant. I mean, Sensi would be the only one that really has been caught the plague the last the last year or so. But the team stayed healthy, and that is so important. And uh, that was a huge factor. When you've got a team that, especially with a lot of depth like Inter has, when you've got a team that's staying re- relatively healthy, I know luck has a little bit to do with it, but when your team is healthy and when you've made the investment to bring in these types of players, uh, the, health is imp- the health is one of the most important things. And they stayed healthy, and that was uh, a really crucial factor here. Because how many times in the last five, six, seven years where, you know, Inter had just like so many guys injured and just, you really can't put, you know, get chemistry with a, with a squad out there. So I think that was a, an important factor. Uh, now I look at championship teams uh, and all sports, uh, whether it be club or national or top to bottom, I think you look at them and you say there is consistency in terms of leadership on the field, off the field, at every level. And, you know, Inter had the squad. Conte made the right decision in terms of players to bring in. Marotta went in and he took care of that for Conte. He said, these are the players that we want. But Marotta made it happen. And Suning and Zhang made the investment. So from top to bottom, that level of, of uh, that ladder, they all came together. When you look at these championship teams... They all have the similar similarities, similar similarities. What, what kind of word is that? But anyways, they have the similarities of uh, top to bottom. It all works. Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, if we're just going to talk about Conte, because I think that it, it really, I think he deserves it uh, because because of the, the everything that Mo said that he had, had to deal with throughout this season. I personally think that this is at club level, his winning the Scudetto with Inter is at club level Antonio Conte's greatest achievement in his career, because there it's one thing to win with with you know what Fame. he did with what he did with with Chelsea was was phenomenal uh, in and of itself. I mean the way he kind of adapted and it was similar to what he did uh, at Inter. He had to adapt and he had to create. He had to create. Um, he had to, you know, he had to basically, you know, he started playing three-five-two. It didn't work, and so he adapted to the squad and played the three-four-three. But at the end of the day, that Chelsea side, it was he still got to spend a lot of money. He had an Angolo, Angolo Kante, he had a Hazard, Diego Costa. Here at Inter, he had to build that himself. There was there was not that much there for him to 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 to, to refine uh, as it was at Chelsea, uh, as 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 he had at Chelsea, and I think. Same thing with Juve. I mean, Juve, you know, they made, you know, Marotta again gave him the players he needed to, to to a certain extent. And you really didn't know what to expect. I mean, that was a Juve that had just finished seventh the year before. But 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 he got the best out of him. But to me, given the, the how it's been at Inter these two years and how difficult it's been uh, in this environment and 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 everything that, that, that we've spoken extensively about on this on this podcast, I think. For me, this is his masterpiece in terms, not just in results-wise, but also the football they've played. It's a very modern for, form of football, uh, an expansive form of football that makes Inter very unpredictable. I mean, one of the things that Conte has been criticized for is that his teams are very predictable. I think that after, in my opinion, after, Feb- after February, after the Sampdoria defeat, when everything just clicked... Inter are incredibly unpredictable, as Sergio Cosmi said himself after the game. We knew exactly how Inter were going to attack, but we were 
absolutely unable to stop them nonetheless. I think that speaks a lot to how he's developed as well. This isn't the same Antonio Conte we saw at Juve. I'd argue even that this isn't even the same Antonio Conte who took over at Inter in his first season. The 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 the, the, the development that he's undergone, the journey that he's undergone, and, and what he's done together with these players is what I find absolutely extraordinary. Um, and I and I think it should be praised. Um, Will, I want to hear your thoughts on on the, on the Conte thing because I mean you've always said that Conte's football, when it works, it's a, it's a marching band, and 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 I guess and and I think that's a really good analogy because, well, that marching band has been playing beautifully these past three four months. Yeah, he's shown that um, that he's created a team that is not. Um, just reliant on one sort of um, game plan anymore, which actually kind of belies the the marching band theory. You know, the 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 the, the, the analogy was made a few years ago on the telly because you know his teams had one way of playing football, and if it didn't work, then um, then things then things wouldn't work. The team wouldn't know how to do anything else. He wouldn't know how to coach anything else. And actually, I do think that um, the, the analogy is maybe slightly outdated now because of what you said. You know, he has shown that he's. He's able to, to to mold a team into something slightly different. And can we say team... can we say that maybe the marching band has learned to play several songs then? Ah, uh, um, <laughs> more than one song. <laughs> I don't know. Has it become an orchestra? Has it? Has it? You know? I think it... it has. You see that? That's yeah. why. I'm, that's why I want to hear what, what you think because yeah. I think. I think it's become. I think it's become an orchestra. Yeah, it's 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 not got one. Um, well, this is why you should prepare analogies before you come on air, because I've got no idea what I want to say now. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's say the marching band has become an orchestra, because that sounds quite good. Um, no, but he, he has he has managed to develop teams. I mean, he has developed teams before. You know, he didn't he didn't turn up at Juventus hoping to play three five two. He did have a bit of adaptability there, given on what he had there at Chelsea in his first press conference. He said, "I'm I'm I think that you know the, the team is uh, I'm a tailor and I'm trying to make the best suit, given that the, the players I have available." So it's not as if he's never been uh, flexible before in his career, but there was a very big shift that happened, you know, half the way through this season when he realised that this was all he had and that if he wanted to win this Scudetto, which is what he was brought in to do, he would have to reconsider players who he had maybe kind of mentally half discarded. And I'm thinking of Ericsson and Perisic, obviously, um, in that. Also, maybe Skriniar as well. I mean, Skriniar was, was out of the team as well last season before he came back in. Uh, after he didn't go to Spurs. So he, I think he's definitely shown a little bit more to him um, this season in terms of making into more v- v- varied. Um, so that's definitely true. In terms of who who is you know most to blame, I find it impossible really to pick to pick one because you've got I think you've got four people or four no, I will say four people, four people that are on different levels at the club going upwards because if you start on the pitch, you've got Lukaku without whom this team doesn't exist. But Lukaku was only there because Conte wanted him and did everything within his power two years ago to make sure that he was signed. Mm. But then if you don't go to Conte, he was appointed by Marotta, who came six months before him and was was convinced, maybe when others weren't, that that was the right decision to get rid of Spalletti and bring in Conte. Um, But then Marotta was brought in by Steven Zhang, who came in at Suning. So... You know, Who, according really... to Marotta, and we have to, according to Marotta, he left Juventus by mutual termination on the fra- on the Saturday. Yeah. He, no, on the Friday, he got a text on the Saturday, and he had signed the contract on Sunday or Monday or what was yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> it was, 
so, so Stephen was really was really keen to get him. I mean, Marathi's been full of praise for Stephen Zhang. He said, you know, he's a very humble and, and intelligent person, and he tries to take advice from everyone who who he meets. But actually, he knows what he's doing, and I think mm. that was a really good sign of it. You know, Conte was linked to Inter. What was it? That summer of 2017. You know, they wanted him before this, so mm. he knew what he wanted, and he got it. So I think you can maybe um, you can you can make a difference between which player is the most important and which director is the most important. But I find it difficult really to, because I don't think it's fair to do down anyone else by lift any of those four people that I've just said, Lukaku, Conte, Marotta, Zang. I don't think this could have happened if any one of those four had not been there. Um, they've all had their moments. I mean, if you're looking at maybe uh, November and December when things were going wrong and Conte was, was being, you know, criticised from all quarters, ourselves included, he found the right solution. He went back to what he knew. He convinced the players that they needed to do X, Y, and Z to start winning games. Um, Marotta in January and February was crucial when the players weren't getting paid and Suning were nowhere to be seen. But then, you know, Suning were the ones that invested, you know, 700 million or whatever two summers ago to get Lukaku and to sign Ericsson and to sign all the players that came before that. So it's, you know, there's, there's, there's that saying that always comes up in Italy, which is that, you know, players win games, but clubs win leagues. And I think that's all we can say now is we have a, uh, we have a very clear um, structure in terms of the club, which was something that we didn't have and that we were always bemoaning until four or five years ago. Certainly when Suning came in, that was the thing that was completely all over the place. Just the way that everyone was sort of communicating with each other and the chain of command was all over the place. That's now all in place. And without that, you can't really win a league title. So um, sorry to sit on the fence, but credit to everyone, really. No, no. There's. I, I think you, you, you will really. You will, every, every, everyone has raised some really important points, and I think it is a collective uh, thing here. Um, and that, and that's. I think that's the point here that Suning have built a structure in place here, not just off the pitch, not just on the pitch, but also off it and 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 surrounding this the technical staff. I mean, Mike, as you were talking about Pintus, and you know. This was a very difficult season. Every single sports, you know, health person and doctor said that we're going to have loads of injuries because of the congested fixture list. The players have not had time to re- to recover, and etc. 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 And and still, Inter have barely had an injury, um, and and a lot of that is thanks to Pintus, uh, the the, um, the 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 athletic coach or the athletic manager or, or whatever his official title is, but he's 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 the person who's in charge of keeping these guys fit, and he's done an excellent job at that. Um, and 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 you know it, it, that that's also part of it. Um, so you know we should give credit where credit is due. But um, I mean, looking forward now, where do Inter go from here? Um, I mean that that seems to be the 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 million dollar question or or, or whichever currency you prefer. Um, the, you know what what matters now is you know how do you build upon this? Beppe Marotta is completely convinced that the most important thing to do now is to is, you know the most important thing that Inter can do now. You know he made it he made he made a very clear point of every single media uh, media. Um, every single media statement that or, or, or interview he, he's made since yesterday that the second star would be absolutely beautiful not just winning another scudetto but the second star um, which inter now are just one away from 
Um, and I think that's a big goal. But also, I think in Europe, um, I mean, let's start with with a European angle there. Antonio Conte has never really succeeded in Europe except for the Europa League, which was played after the league was finished due to the pandemic and everything that happened in the, in uh, following that. Um, so, so I mean, do we think that you know how far do we think that this particular Inter can go in in a in a in 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 the Champions League um, and also secondary question what what is missing uh in terms of traits tactical or technical traits players that 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 in your opinion that to take that next step uh, i'll start with you mike uh, what, what do you think uh well look i think on paper uh this should be a you know minimal quarterfinal champions league team uh I wouldn't say they're ready to to win it. I mean, listen, the, the squad just just happened. Let's take a step back and, and enjoy it. But I think that now that this is, you know, we've gotten this, I think that becomes the next step. In terms of, whew, I mean, listen, uh, I think the only weakness at times this team has really had has been in goal, in goal, really. And I don't think it's even Hendanovic has been that bad this year. I think we had a great season. But at times, the worry he has let us down, and I think that's it is a position that we can upgrade on. Um, I think what this team needs is the experience, working together, playing together, and as they gel together, they will play. They will play better, and maybe that's what this scudetto is going to help. Um, I'm not really sure in terms of improvements. I don't think there's improvements up top that can be made. I mean. I, uh, you mentioned at the top of the show that Muriel could be a, a, a player that could be added. You know, someone someone like him could definitely be a, a help when because you know Lotaro isn't the most consistent of players. He's definitely extremely talented, but doesn't show up every game. So that's something that's uh, definitely another striker could help. Um, I love our midfield uh, and I love our center backs and I love our, our defense with and the Devray and Bastoni and and Skriniar. I love I love. I love everything we have in terms of our player talent. It's working together um, that I think uh, over time, you know, we've got this experience this year. And I think over time playing together and going into next year that uh, it will really help in Champions League. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, for, I, I agree with you on the quarterfinal thing. If we just take take the take the European angle, the quarterfinal is for sure is is, is absolutely realistic. Um, and 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 I think that given how Inter have played so far and performed this this season uh, after especially oh, after both times, so I think that's uh, I think I think next year will be a, a very important step in terms of getting out of the group stage. And once they do, I think uh, I think that's when the, the the real challenge will begin in terms mm. of uh, getting better. Oh, for sure, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you there. I think winning it is 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 difficult for any Italian team. I think given the the the, the difference in revenue and turnaround and uh, or you know annual revenue that between the EPL sides and the big Spanish and French teams and the Italian teams, I don't think we can realistically see any Italian teams seriously consider for any. For any for Champions League uh, just quite yet. I think we're a few years away from that. Um, but but I mean, 
sure, I think a quarterfinal is is absolutely realistic. But Mo, if, you know, first of all, do you think quarterfinal is realistic? And also building on that, what do you think is needed, is lacking to take that next step and develop this Inter to maybe even go to a semifinal or, or, or a final? Let me uh, preface this by uh, tooting my own horn for a second. Um, <laughs> I rem- not, not only did I, you know, uh, you know, some a lot of people predicted Scudetto, but last year I was telling you guys, second place and a Europa League win. Of course, we came short in the Europa League. But again, it's not to say that, uh, you know, I got a crystal ball or anything. But what I mean is, I really think that this team is very special. I think... Uh, there are certain things that need to happen for continuity's sake, uh, uh, for reinforcement's sake, for uh, you know uh, uh, taking that next step. But um, the the basis, the foundations of the squad are are rock solid, and I think something really special can be built around what you already have in terms of you know, like we said. Uh, an aggregate of management, director, directors, back back office staff, uh, squad staff, and players, including you know the, the the manager. So I don't know where we can go next year in Europe, but I know that quarterfinal is definitely a, uh, should definitely be a, a target. Um, I, I think that the the primary objective, of course, should be getting that second star. Uh, just Marotta's words yesterday uh, got me feeling, you know, uh, super excited, and 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 you know, it's it's lovely thinking about that second star on the jersey, and and then taking that next uh, that next step uh, as as a, as a legacy, as a, as a history, as a you know, cementing cementing that cycle, uh, putting some distance between us and Milan in terms of number of scudetti won, uh, getting again getting that uh, second star, the, the whole thing, but also I think. Conte has evolved as a manager, and there's been, you know, I, there's been a lot of discussion just yesterday and today in the media about how uh, potentially um, uh, there, there's this narrative that Conte tried to play this daring football in the beginning and it failed, so he then he reverted back to his norms, which was a more uh, pragmatic, effective football, and that's why Inter won. They played uh, defense first football, but that that certainly is a is an untrue uh, narrative. The second part of the season, the second half, the first part of the second half of the return leg was spectacular football, was dominant football, was amazing football, was champagne football, was Conte bragging on Instagram about uh, his tiki-taka football. This this was the sort of football that was played. So I think for sure Conte has evolved as a manager. For sure the club has 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 grown and learned from its mistakes uh, collectively with with Marotti Marotti guiding Zhang and and uh, and and. and explaining the, the, the problems that had happened post-treble. Uh, so I think definitely uh, Scudetto next season is, uh, you know, not, not a requirement, but a very um, tangible dream for, for all of us to have. And, you know, really becoming a relevant player. A quarter-finalist quarter final in Europe is not a relevant, relevant player in Europe. I think Inter should aim to become a protagonist in Europe as soon as possible. You've reached the Europa League final, which is a real thing. And I think uh, there's looking at looking at the, the, the teams in, in the semis this year, I don't see any reason as to why our squad, regardless of what had happened, what had transpired this season, but our current squad cannot uh, match up with the best of them, you know? That's a, that's a good point. I want to hear your reaction to that, Will. Where are you on this? 
Um, do you agree or are you a little bit more careful? I think uh, at the moment, this team is not strong enough to reach the semi-final of the Champions League unless they have a very favourable draw. I do see a slight difference, mostly in terms of tempo with those four teams and maybe experience as well. Um, I think that obviously Italy, there's been a lot of talk in Italy at the moment about how uh, they had no teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions League again. And, and the problem is that these teams are, are kind of overwhelmed in terms of rhythm when they go into Europe. We saw what happened to Roma at Old Trafford last week. I think that a quarterfinal is realistic or at least possible or achievable with this team. That's what Max Allegri said uh, last month when he went, he went on to Sky and he said that, you know, already this team is probably good enough to reach the quarterfinals. And who knows, if we had been playing like we were in January and February, in November and December, then we might well have reached the quarterfinals this year. I think that's possible. We've definitely got out of the group because, to be honest, we should have got out of the group anyway. Um, but unfortunately, we were still sort of working ourselves out of that stage and you can't go back and uh, play the Champions League groups again. So we had to leave that and move on. But I think this team is already good enough for the last 16. Obviously, then if you finish second in your group and you go up against Bayern Munich in the last 16, you won't make the quarterfinals. So you need help from the draw as well. Um, so I would say it's definitely good enough for the last 16. It's potentially good enough to reach the quarterfinals. I don't think it's good enough to reach the semifinals. I think uh, we would need another striker, not necessarily to start, but to be to reduce the load on Lukaku and Lautaro throughout the season if you're fighting on two fronts. Um, I think maybe another midfielder who's got a bit more dynamism, which, uh, you know, someone like a Barella, uh, potentially another, uh, uh, you know, an equivalent of Hakimi on the left because Perisic is... He's been fantastic. Uh, I hope he can do that for another season, but he won't be able to do it for 50 games a season if you're playing in the league in Europe. Um, and uh, obviously the goalkeeper is another issue. Um, you know, I, I feel bad sort of uh, bitching on Handanovic after he's just won his first trophy at the club for nine years. But I don't I don't see a team in the Champions League semi-final starting with, with Sami Handanovic, really. Um, but I think that the depth is maybe more of the issue than the than the starting eleven in terms of what, if we, in terms of looking at what's needed to be up, because you know, as you said, we reached the Europa League final because it was well, not just because, but in part because it was detached from the league season. The Champions League doesn't exist in its own water. Like if we just played the Champions League and nothing else mattered, then we probably could reach that that stage of the tournament. But you've got a league game on the Wednesday, you've got a league game on the Saturday, then a game on the Wednesday, then a game on the Saturday, and they could be huge games, and you can't afford really to rest anyone in all of those games. So, you know. You need multiple options, quality options, which we don't have. And at the moment, there are still areas of the squad, particularly in defence, which I hadn't mentioned yet, where the gap between the starters and the reserves is very notable. Thankfully, we, that didn't matter in the league because we have just had the league for a couple of months, or about give or take a few Coppa Italia matches. But so that's where I would necessarily see, probably see the, the problem um, at the moment. But I, def I definitely think it needs strengthening because you know uh this team has, has been great for what four or five months um but we know that it's not perfect and we know that the rivals may well be strong even in the league next year so i definitely wouldn't be you know recommending that we stay as we are if indeed we can no 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 absolutely not and 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 i think that's a good point i mean if we're going to make it into like a bit more concrete uh for me it's very simple it's Simi from crotone as a backup to lukaku it's rodrigo de pau for the midfield you you don't sell any of the other midfielders except for vicino and galliardini if you have to uh, or, or you know, get rid of them, one of them. You cash in on the João Marios and the Nain Golans and the, you know, if possible, Valentino Lazaro 
or or if if Conte thinks that he can rehabilitate Valentino Lazaro as a backup player and or, or on the right wing and play Hakimi on the left as he's done on Borussia Dortmund, or if he wants he likes options, but for me Di Marco, Simi, De, De Paul, and one of Cranio or Musso is is that that would be a, that would be a dream mercato, and and I mean I said I, I said earlier that I think the winning this league title was. Uh, Antonio Conte's greatest achievement uh, at club level. I mean, if he were to win the Champions League with Inter, that would cement him. I mean, that would even, you know, that that would cement him on a level, you know, take him past Trapattoni. That that would that would literally be his greatest achievement ever. Uh, Mike, any any thoughts on on on, on that? Well, look, uh, yeah, I, I think this is Conte's best achievement as a manager. Uh, I, I want to bring us back, though, uh, five years ago when it was uh, at Euro 2016 and Conte was managing uh, the Azzurri. And he took, he took a terrible, absolutely terrible team to the quarterfinals, losing in penalties to the World Cup champions, uh, Germany. And this is, this is what Conte did with going that far these are the players that he had who by the way in their first game they beat i'm just going to look at you know the situation of comparing inter now to what he had in 2016 they beat belgium in the first game and these were his players Eder, graziano pelle jacarini parolo candreva these are starters these are not backups these are starters and he beat belgium Two nothing with players like de bruyne lukaku hazard niangolin vertongen vermaelen Quality wasn't even close, and he and he was able to do that. So had had Conte beaten Germany in the quarterfinals, potentially made a semifinal or a final, I think this probably would be, you know, almost similar in terms of not just obviously it's not club level, but in terms of accomplishments as, as a manager. Having said that, they didn't win that game against Germany, and so be it. Had that gone the other way, I think this, these would have been very comparable. Um, but look, he, he's taken. He's taken a, a team in a in a very short period of time from from uh, an you know embarrassment to uh, champions, and it's really you know one of the most difficult things to do is when you, especially when you've got a team that's that's won you know a decade's worth of of uh, scudetti and then, and then all of a sudden we've got a new champion and becoming a new champion is is got to be set, one of the most difficult things to do and Conte did it and that's why I think this is his best accomplishment as a as a manager well one thing it, you know it, one 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 of the reasons we, we we've spoken about a little bit touched on a little, a little bit the reason why Inter could do this is because of Suning um and but it's quite clear that Suning do have liquidity issues and and everything that we've discussed to already on this pod uh, through, through the past few months but I think it's important to ask this question now. Now that the Inter have won the Scudetto, now that they've put this in place, I mean, given, you know, only they can answer this question because uh, nobody really knows and Suning are very good at keeping their cards very close to their chest. But if Inter, as we're seeing today, may, might have to sell a big player or one or two players like a Lautaro or a Eriksen or whatever, I mean, then I think that, the you know, are Suning really the right people to to keep to 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 stay at Inter? Because isn't it better in that case to just okay, you did this, but you know, 
life happens, it didn't work out, sell and move on to someone who can actually build on this. Because I think that what we're seeing now is is actually like like Mo said, the everything is there for a for a cycle to be to be won now. And to start, you know, dismantling this would be insane. Um so so the question is, are sooning the right people to take it forward? Uh, Mo, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, 100% they are uh, the right person to be able to, the right person, the right entity to be able to decide what's best for Inter's future. I think uh, they have, uh, in, in, in the two and a half or three years or whatever, it's however long it's been since uh, they've been around, I think they've built an, more than enough uh, good uh, karma and equity with us as a fan base to, to trust them with the project. So I think... Uh, um there can be no doubt that if they do decide not to sell and do decide to continue with enter that they understand the magnitude of the responsibility that they have then under undertaken to or, or decided or agreed to take on and will make sure that they deliver to the best of their ability of course but in good faith to try and deliver on on the on the potential promise of continuing with the project and if they can't in fact you know, move on with that project, then I think that they will, in good faith, find out what's best for Inter in terms of whether it's a, a capital raise or a potential sale or a minority stake or w- w- whatever it is that they do decide to do. Uh, but I think, you know, what, what, uh, like, in summary or in summa, I want to say I think I trust them in taking the right decision, whether it is remaining with the club and if they do decide to remain, then I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to do so with the best of intentions and the best of uh, abilities. Mm. I, I think that that's a really good point. Um, but I mean, before we uh, we're just touching, uh, you know, what do we think is going to happen? I mean, Antonio Conte and Marotta uh, have been very, I mean, Marotta said, I'm very happy here. I want to continue. I think everything is is here to to continue this. And, and, and Conte has basically said, Look, um, I just want to enjoy this, but it's quite clear in the past that he says, uh, in the in the past few weeks, he said he doesn't want like, want to restart everything all the time. I mean, what do we think this is going to happen? I mean, is because they're, they're going to have to have a meeting about this uh, pretty soon to start planning because they've been they've been kicking this can down the road, and now that Zhang is in, in Milan, he has to deliver some 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 news about what's going to happen. Uh, we we've heard. Everyone from BC partners to Saudi Arabian royal investment firms to everyone under the sun, uh, but nothing concrete. And we haven't really heard anything more than that. Now is the time to make that decision. And and, and it seems, based on what we're, what we're hearing from Suning uh, coming out, uh, is that they've they've secured a loan, a bridge loan to take him to the to the end of the season. And, and they're looking for investors. Um, I mean, what what do we think is going to happen here? I mean, do we think Conte stays? Do we think Marotta looks like he's going to stay? But based based on what he said yesterday, and and do we think that do we think Conte stays, and do we think that the project is now unfrozen? Uh, what do you think, Will? Well, it depends. What, depends what you mean by project. If by project you mean big investments, then no, it's not unfrozen because with Suning in charge, there won't be big investments in the summer. That would be that's pretty much the one thing that we do know. Uh, with reasonable certainty heading into the summer. Um, what I, I mean, I, I think that what will probably happen is that, that Conte and, and Marotta will stay and that Suning will get the loan and then they'll find a, 
a shareholder or they'll, they'll buy out uh, Lion Rock share and, and uh, look to give it to someone else in the next few months. That's That seems to be where it's headed. They have never at any point given any credence in public to the idea that they're going to be selling into. They've not spoken much, but when they have, they've made it very clear that they aren't going anywhere. You need you need to look at the, the really, really angry statement they gave to Beppe Sala, the, the mayor of Milan, a couple of months ago when he was asking them for clarity over the ownership situation to in order to proceed with the San Siro project. Now for them, they've never they've never given any hint that they're that they're considering leaving the club. So I think they will probably stay. That does mean of course that, you know, it's gonna have to be a you know, it's gonna be a self-financed mercato like it was before. Um, we can't be certain that Conte and Marotta will stay under those circumstances because, you know, number one, they've made it clear that they don't know what the future holds. So we can't know if they don't know. They need to talk with Stephen Zhang at the end of the month if they are um, satisfied that they can, that they, number one, are, they think that it's got a future, you know, this kind of project in inverted commas, that's number one. Number two, if they think that Suning are going to be able to, you know, hold a, a sort of a community communicative line that everyone can agree on, then I think that's quite important as well. You know, Conte's made it clear that it's okay if we don't necessarily strengthen the squad, as long as you make it clear to everyone else that I'm not expected to go and win the Champions League with this squad because we haven't got the resources to do it. So I think making sure that everyone's on the same page in terms of, number one, what can be done in terms of, you know, signings, but number two, what is expected off the back of that is very important. That was really what Conte was getting at last year when he was having a go at everyone in public. Um, because he thought that the, he'd been left to, he'd been hung out to dry because people thought he was supposed to win the Scudetto and he wasn't convinced that was that was the that was the, the agreement with the, the players that were that were signed. So it's it's sort of a complex issue, you know. And there are so many questions at the moment that haven't been answered. You know, how, who is going to be Inter's main shirt sponsor for next season? We don't know that yet. Pirelli are leaving, and Suning are still kind of signing, sounding out companies in in China and then in. America and then, you know, this, that and the other. Um, who's What's going to happen with the stadium? You know, Suning clearly are very invested in in this stadium project, which is another sign that they don't want to leave. You know, they, they, see, they see this as a sort of a, a sort of a, um, an incentive down the road, something that they're going to be able to benefit from, you know, that they don't want to sell the club to someone else who's then going to reap the benefits from that stadium. So that's another thing that probably is persuading them to, to stay. Um, you've got, as you said, we don't know, but Conte doesn't know either. So, it's gonna. This, this this next month has to be the month of of clarity. You know, whatever yeah, happens, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. If it's gonna be another austerity mercato, then okay. But let's sort that out and let's make sure that everyone is on the same page. And to answer your question from before about whether Suning are the right people to stay, there is no perfect solution here. But I do think that they are the right people to stay at this point. Number one, because if they move, if they leave now, then the summer the next season it is completely up in the air because you've got no time to plan for it now and number two if Suning leave there is no guarantee that Conte and Marotta will stay and I think that's a bigger I think it's a bigger risk if they leave that those two will be leaving than if they stay with you know quite big restrictions on what can be spent because at that point it is a new project and generally if new owners come in they want their own men you know Marotta came in and one of the first things he did was appoint Conte so I don't see that those two necessarily could stay with another owner maybe they would but that's always a really uncomfortable situation. And you know, we've seen that Paolo Fonseca has basically had zero public support from Roma's owners, and they've been there for about a year. You know, it's not a secret that they want to move him on. But that's generally what happens. So mm. I, I hope Suning stay, and I hope that this things, these things get sorted quickly. Because it's fine to not be 
you know, spreading everything across the media. We've been banging on for years about how we need to leak too many things to the media. Mm. But this is now the time to get your house in order and move forward. And I hope that, you know, this this team doesn't need a revolution. No, so, tweaks, you know, tweaks, then, tweaks, yeah, tweaks, tweaks, tweaks. And that is possible if people work intelligently. And we have one of the most intelligent directors. Oh, the, the most intelligent directors. I was speaking to a journalist yesterday in, in Italy who says that basically um, Beppe Marotta this past, the, just these 12 months alone, has, has schooled everyone on how to be a director in difficult circumstances. Ha uh, mandato tutti a scuola, was the term that he used. Um, but um, basically, uh, I mean, Antonio Conte, there is an issue here, and that is that Antonio Conte's contract expires in exactly 13 months. You don't want to go into the last year of that contract, or, or do you? Um, where, where, what do we think here? What about you, Mike? Do, are you, can you see a situation where Conte would accept going into his last year of contract, or, or do you think that that's something that they will resolve and must be resolved? Yeah. Well, for, first of all, I want to just touch on something very quickly with, with what Will said about uh, our shirt sponsor for next year, with, Pe- with Pirelli potentially leaving. Uh, leaving i personally put pirelli tires on my car because of because of inter and if they leave that means i'm taking them off and putting on whatever <laughs> other whatever other tire we might bring in or, or whatever that may be i don't think uh, samsung produced tires you might need to if hey, listen i might have to get rid of my iphone and get a <laughs> yeah, samsung galaxy happen. yeah that's not gonna happen i i hate android with a burning passion so know, sorry <laughs> But yeah, I put Pirelli tires on my on my car for the last five years. Uh, uh, four sets on winter and, and summer tires just because of Inter. So if they leave, I'm going to be very upset. Anyway, so uh, look, look very very quickly on this. Uh, I don't think Conte is going anywhere. I don't think Marotta is going anywhere. And I don't think Suning is going anywhere. And I agree with you that it's not good to have Conte's contract up in a year and not do anything about it. So obviously something's going to be done in the next few months. I, I highly doubt that they're going to go into next year and just let his contract run out. That's my opinion. But I would I would definitely think that Conte would be extended in the next month, two months, three months, whatever it may be. And because I do feel that things have changed. You know, I think there was a lot of tension, you know, four or five, six months ago um, when things weren't that great. Things have changed. Everyone's happy right now. You see Conte on the on the sidelines. It's just that that emotion. I freaking love it. And I just don't see him just saying packing up and say, "Okay, I've had enough. I've come here. I've won. It's time to leave." Kind of like what Mourinho Mourinho did. No, I think he's gonna stay. He's gonna be here for a few more years, especially with the state of the rest of the league. You look at the uh, like Juve. They're on the they're on the the downswing. There's an there's. He, managers know know these things in terms of what teams are going to. They, Juve were, was such a great team for for so long, but they're not who they once were. Ronaldo's not going to be around for potentially that could have been his last year, maybe one more, but he ain't getting better. And once he goes, their team isn't as good. So there's an opportunity here, especially with Milan being light years away. There, it seems like the only direct competition at this very moment is Atalanta and. You know, it doesn't seem like they could they could have the, that final step. So there is a potent, there is opportunity to do not just one scudetto but more. So I don't think there'd be a reason to to leave in terms of uh, in terms of his mentality. I think there's uh, at every level, all three management, ownership, 
coach, even if, even for the players, they all want to be here, and I don't think that's going to change. Well, uh, that's that's let's hope that that's the case because I think that the Inter are onto something here, exactly as Mo alluded to a little bit earlier today. Um, I think I believe in this this project. I believe in the way that it's come together. I think it's about tweaks, and if they can do the tweaks, you know, Simi won't cost a lot of money, Di Marco won't cost a lot of money. The only really big investment you'll have to make is um, is uh, is De Paul, and if that's not possible, we'll then keep the midfield as it is and replace. Ranokia with Maximovic, uh, then I'm fine because I mean he, his contract expires too. So th- th- then I'm then I'm okay with everything because I think Darmian's d- utility, the utility and D'Ambrosio's utility, and if you bring back Luciana Gomez, you know who's been doing really well at Spezia is is, is a is a huge talent and he looks like he's extending his contract with Inter as well. I mean we know that Conte do, does well with talented young players who who do as he says and, and, and give him the quality he needs. We've seen it with Pogba, we've seen it with Pastoni, Barella, we've seen it with, uh, with Christensen at Chelsea etc etc. So he, he's, he's, he has no issues with youth. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity, which will be presented by Mr. Michael Gallo this week's Mochi. Look, we all saw the Super League fiasco couple weeks ago and that's kind of led to a few other things including in manchester uh what a debacle uh happened between united and liverpool uh as much as i love talking this is such an inter podcast and i want to keep talking about the positivity stuff but listen we got to talk about what happened at this match uh obviously all these united fans not maybe not all of them but but a certain group of them were obviously you know, upset about what happened with the Super League and it's led to other things. And all of a sudden, you know, they want the ownership out, but they just, they went around the wrong way to kind of protest in terms of they went on the field at Old Trafford and postponed the Manchester United versus Liverpool game that was supposed to happen, which it wasn't a, I mean, look, two of the biggest teams in the country, but at the same time, there wasn't that much at stake. I know Liverpool's kind of fighting for a potential fourth or fifth spot uh, to make Champions League, but you know, United doesn't really have much to uh, to play for, being in second place and can't catch City. But listen, there's a way to protest things, and there's a way not to protest things. Just they didn't need to go onto the field and chant glazers out uh the american owners and i i understand that you, you kind of want your ownership to be in-house but that's just not the way things are going on especially in england even in italy now uh it just there's a way to do things and a way not to do things and i think they went around it the wrong way maybe they didn't like that the fact that the last couple weeks you know their their voices didn't seem to be as heard so they needed to step it up and go to you know the, the heights of, of postponing a game because they rushed the field at Old Trafford, Trafford one of the you know most sacred uh, football pitches in in the world. Uh, I don't know the state of you know what's going on in, in England, maybe to the extent that Will might have, but I do know that they could have done this differently. And there's no reason to to you know get in the way of football when you know this could easily have been done away from the pitch. So. 
Moji of the week. Uh, I hate their fans, but uh, <laughs> these specific fans that they mm. call, if they want to call themselves fans, mm. would be uh, the Moji of the week. For sure. Uh, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso autogol di Ranocchia. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to go for this week, and then. Uh, Daniele Mari, the editor of uh, FC uh, Inter 1908, posted a, a picture <laughs> that I think won the award hands down. Not of him. So this week's frog is Marcel Brozovic's eyes. Um, I don't what the hell this. was that? So, I mean, he's posted a tweet, uh, Daniele Mari, from a few hours ago on Monday, which I think will, re- will remain with me. Uh, throughout my sleep this evening and for most of the week because um, I think he's Brozovic looks like he hasn't slept for about 20 years in this picture Um, and he looks like he's been possessed by all the ghosts of all the banter era interplayers that have given us nightmares for the last 10 years Um, looks very very deranged and I'm assuming that he has let's say celebrated Inter's title triumph in a very sort of full-on way um and well i mean if you were hoping to buy any alcohol in the milan region in the next month then you you're out of luck because i think brozovic has had all of it um by this. <laughs> so you know that somehow this man is you know one of the most important players uh in this team that's just won the league but you know he does a very good job of hiding it because uh, i mean we were talking a few weeks ago weren't we about the difference between footballing intelligence and sort of human intelligence i think he's a he's the he's the picture boy for that sort of uh the poster boy for that school of thought so um yeah i mean as um as, as daniele said you know just remember that you'll be able to tell your kids about the fact that you lived through the era of, of marcelo brozovic um so there we go. I think he he gets the, the award for it's it's on his yeah. Instagram stories and I remember yesterday when everybody was out celebrating everyone every the question on Twitter was has anyone heard of Brozovic has anyone seen what's going on and everyone was like yeah he's 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 he's, he's going to have fun and then to, today he put that video out of those eyes I mean I've been hung over in my life but I don't think I've ever been anything close to what that is. It's still on his stories. So go check it out. It's, oh my, like you said, I think he has had every beverage that contains alcohol in all of Milan or Lombardy. Or for, He's been <laughs> storing up for the last eight months. When he knew Inter were for a good thing, he's been <laughs> stockpiling, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the most, I've never seen a human being that hungover. In my life, his eyes. On the matter of the frog, obviously, I think we should take this moment to, uh, well, congratulate the man who gave us the frog, because there's only one player that was at the club the last time we won a trophy, and he's been through all sorts of hell in the last few years, and uh, Andrea Nokia deserves to win Serie A, not for what he used to do in 2014-15, but for the way he's managed to rebuild his career without, you know, too much help from outside is uh, is honourable. He's not played much this season, but, you know, he's been, he was he played a couple of games recently and he was fine and he, he did his bit. Um, he's never complained. And, um, yeah, he, he deserves to, 
to drink as much alcohol as he wants. I know big drink, but you know <laughs> he, he played well. He played well this year too, and you know yeah. he never he never said anything. You know he was a starter for this team, and then he was relegated to the bench. He kept his mouth shut. And he did his job and he, you know, did his thing from the bench. And when he when he was called upon, he did his job. And especially this year, I believe his last match, they cut the clean sheet when he started. Good for him. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him, especially because he got shafted. I believe it was uh, one of the, the Italian roster when he was one of the best defenders in Italy at one, at one point. But he got shafted uh, a couple of times. So good for him. I'm, I'm proud of him. For sure. Let's, uh, I mean, he's also one of the most sim- like nice people you can ever ho- hope to meet, Andrea Ranocchia, an absolute gentleman on and off the pitch. Right, let's move on to the uh, to something much more positive. Uh, this week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, honestly, I don't know uh, where to begin uh, this week. Uh, really, I don't. I don't know. I'm overwhelmed. Um, I think uh, the Moratti of the week should should be everyone and everything. Really, uh, we've spoken about this being a real team effort beyond just the the, the, the actual team that uh, wears the the jersey and steps onto the pitch or sits on the substitutes bench. Um, directors, managers, back office staff. Again. Everyone, but also fans, fans who suffered. I mean, we, we on the group chat uh, yesterday, was it? Or today, this morning, I can't remember. We're listing all the names that we had suffered through watching wear the Inter jersey uh, <laughs> in the past 10 years. <laughs> and, you know, it's not, that it's game not could have gone on for a while. <laughs> oh, man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, actually. I don't want to, you know, single out anyone in particular, but we've seen some... some pretty, I do, uh, I do, I do. Kuzmanovic. Kuzmanovic, Janem Vila, Dodo, Dodo Pires, uh, yeah. Juan Jesus, I mean, Thomas Rocky. Oh. Jonathan. <laughs> I believe in Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> the guy on the, on the Gab and Jules show was talking about, um, uh, who's definitely been on, the, on our podcast a bunch of times and was always lovely, uh, was talking about how the fact that Inter average attendance pre-pandemic, 60,000 people, and hadn't won a single trophy in over 10 years, in, in 10 years at the time, pre-pandemic. It's, it's unheard of to have this level of support uh, for a club that has underachieved for so long, consistently underachieved for so long. We suffered through a great deal. But not only we, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned earlier about my wife, you know, our, our significant others, our, our, our friends, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our wives, our husbands, whoever. Who've seen who've seen us dragged through the mud as fans over the years, and then you know, so really this these last few 36 hours or 28, however many hours it's been since uh, the final whistle at the Atalanta game, have been an an amazing feeling and really a feeling of absolute gratitude and 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 uh, vindication uh, and. Yeah, so everyone, everyone at the club, everyone around the world, everyone who supports Inter, even the Inter, the Inter trolls on on Twitter, you guys suck, but I love you, you know. So uh, everyone, uh, <laughs> all the Inter around the world, you know, uh, it's a, it's a very special day. So I guess, uh, yeah, that's that's the morality for the week, the whole Interverse. Amen. Amen. Right, uh, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank uh, you, uh, Michael. Thanks for joining us in this Scudetto pod. 
Thank you for having me, guys. And uh, I got to say, I'm disappointed that Mo decided not to give uh, Rodrigo Palacio the Moratti of a week after becoming the <laughs> oldest player to score a hat trick in Serie A history. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we had some, you know, important dealings with Inter winning the Scudetto, so that was a little bit more important. But, anyways, thank you very much for having me, guys, and uh, what a what a time! And uh, let's hope to keep this going in the future. Yes, for sure. Rodrigo Palacio, obviously, being one of the few highlights of that horrific decade of of banter era. Um, Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has listened to us throughout the season um, and uh, enjoy these last four games of the season, even if, you know, players that you don't like are going to be starting, such as Vidal and, you know, Vecino and all these things. We, we could have quite a starting eleven against Sampdoria on Saturday. We'll see what happens, but um, <laughs> they've earned it. We've earned it. So, uh, yeah, let's let's make this. Let's make sure we don't have to wait another 184 episodes before recording the next Scudetto podcast. That's no, my no, 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 exactly. Uh, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, thank you guys. Uh, great, great, uh, great to finally do this uh, title winning podcast. Uh, amazing. And um, yeah, honestly, again, I, I, I'm, I, I really envision, envision uh, a lot of big things for this team. So hopefully, uh, when we get into the next season cycle, uh, we'll have uh, we'll have a lot more to dream of uh, built on the shoulders of these guys. So yeah, for sure. Uh, until next time, I'm your host Nimata Ali Rutsari, wishing you health, stay safe, listen to your authorities, take care of yourselves and your loved ones, and enjoy the scudetto. Campioni d'Italia and sempre e solo Forza Inter.